Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Maura Z, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, January 19th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 18 in There is a Solution. Today's readers are <clears throat> Mary Nakes, 12 Steps, Matt M, 12 Traditions, Rachel N. M., and KDG will be reading the text. The reference numbers for yesterday, very important numbers. 7 a.m. share ID for yesterday, Thursday, January 18th, 10,933, 10933. And for the 10 a.m., 10,934, 10934. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Well, our sole purpose, <clears throat> excuse me, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through the abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps of um, 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Mary H., would you please read the 12 steps of OA? Marion, star one. Yes, good morning. This is Marion H. from Florida. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay. Uh, we, one, we admitted we're powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove our all these uh, defects of characters. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so we would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me to service. Thank you, Marion H. And Madam, would you please read the 12 traditions? Thank you, Maura, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., the Postal Lord Eater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group conscience, for, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself on our group conscience. Our leaders are for trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has the one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise such problems of money, property, and prestige diverted from a primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but used, but we may create service boards and committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain personal anonymity at the level of the press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions. I've reminded us to place principles in our personality. Thank you, Matt M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the person speaking, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are on page 18. <clears throat> we will be reading the first two paragraphs, starting with an illness of this sort, and ending with, there are many. <clears throat> and I will now ask Rachel N.M. to begin reading for us. And if you're not Rachel, would you please star one to mute your phone? Good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic. An illness of this sort, and we have come to believe it is an illness, involves those about us in a way no other human sickness can. If a person has cancer, all are sorry for him, and no one is angry or hurt. But not so with the alcoholic illness, for with it there goes annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. It engulfs all those, all whose lives touch the sufferers. 
It brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, warped lives of blameless children, sad wives and parents. Anyone can increase the list. We hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or may be affected. There are many. So I think of of the the illness of compulsive reading and anorexia um, and its other manifestations as a two-part illness. First we have the physical allergy, and, and then we have our selfishness and self-centeredness, which on page 62 um, it says, that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. And then the next paragraph. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. This this um, paragraph on page 18 reminds me of a of a diabetic man I know. Um, we don't think about diabetes as as an illness that the family would resent, and it's typically not. But this man I know refuses to stay on a diabetic diet, and instead of exercising and trying to keep his his arms and legs healthy, he chooses to sit all day. And I think that it's become, for that family, um, somewhat like our illness. And so I see that just as our illness, few people resent, now that I'm abstinent, few people resent the fact that I have a have a allergy in my body. But my selfishness and self-seeking, that sure makes life unhappy for others. And I, and I think about... Um, about the the resentment prayer that we say. Um, and at the end, it says on page 67, we avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. And that's not talking about us. That's talking about other people. And I think it's easy for me as, as a compulsive overeater and anorexic to forget that other people are sick too, that we live in a broken world, and everybody's dealing with, with with their own sickness of 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 whatever sort it, it might be or its different manifestations and um perhaps the most way I can be helpful in life is to is to be patient and tolerant with others and and to remember that I've caused my own share of their pain. So thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Rachel and M. And before I open up the lines, just um, a little bitty request that um, if you've recently shared, um, that perhaps you'll pause and maybe allow some new voices to be heard. Um, and with that, if you would like to share, press star one, and please give me your name only once. And I'll Katie G from Boston. Katie G. Heather S. Heather Katie S. K. Laura Patty H. Patty K. Lauren H. Okay, we'll go with that then. I've got Katie G, Heather S, Patty K, and Lauren H. Katie G, 
Would you get us started, please? Good morning, Maura. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. This is KDG, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Anorexic and bulimic. Yeah, I mean, I think of this in two parts. I mean, for a long time, I thought, well, I'm just anorexic or I'm just fat. Like, I'm not that sick. I'm not an, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. What I'm doing isn't as bad. And I failed to see the fact that my emaciated, dying body was killing my father. To watch me die in front of him, you know, to sit there and not be able to do anything and to not understand when I was binging my brains out and stealing his food, how to help me. He couldn't do anything and the pain that that caused him and that it annihilates. Like we're not just talking like it harms other people. It obliterates, it blots out, it exterminates, it wipes out. And then in that program, before I did the steps, the crazy employers that didn't understand why KDG from Boston should never be a manager. Because when I manage people, I manage people to the point that they don't want to even look at me. I tried to make amends to the women that worked for me, and my damage to their lives was so bad that they didn't want to talk to me because of the way I treated them. You know, so as our previous speaker so eloquently said, I've got that allergy in my body right where people are looking at me and they're like Katie you're a hundred pounds heavier than you were a year ago what's going on and then the craziness around my behaviors you know and as a recovered compulsive overeater anorexic and bulimic today you know I have to remember like it's taken a long time for me to try and 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 restore um, the the damage that I've done to my family the unpredictability of me showing up of my body weight of my attitude of having a smile on my face it's like what what's Katie gonna do now you know it takes over because I am I'm like a big ocean and if somebody sees me and I I come walking in and I'm not spiritually fit, I'm going to engulf you with my negativity and my resentment. And, um, you know, thanks be to God today for 10, 11, and 12, you know, like um, I can get so caught up, you know, in the bedevilments if I am not spiritually fit, if I am not practicing entire abstinence and working the steps, you know, like I, you know, I can confuse my family. I can confuse my employer. Yesterday I did a step 10. Why? Because I was creating confusion rather than harmony. I didn't pause when agitated. I plowed when agitated because I forgot, you know, because I'm human and I'm an addict. And But thank God, you know, I don't have to harm people anymore today. And I'm just going to keep showing up one day at a time, working it with you guys. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. Heather S., it is your turn, followed by Patty K. Good morning. This is Heather S. from Clarksville, Tennessee. And this is the first time that I've actually shared in this meeting. I've been coming for almost a year and have almost an entire year of abstinence next month. Um, so th for me too, I can identify like what the previous share was, <clears throat> excuse me, with both sides. Um, I am somebody who obviously is a compulsive overeater and recovered bulimic as well. And um, I've seen the damage that I have caused. And even when I'm not in the food, I can tell, um, you know, especially concerning my son, 
when I am feeling that restless, irritable, and discontent, and I'm acting out in anger towards him, and I'm not stopping, I'm not pausing, I'm not taking those quiet moments with God. Um, and for me also, I can see from the other side, um, because I am someone who, um, at the end of this month, um, my divorce will be final, and it's because of my husband, who is a sex addict, who is not in recovery. And so I have seen um, firsthand for several years now, we've been in our other program for, um, I've been in going to Essendon for four years now. And I know firsthand the damage that has been caused because of addiction and the hurt and the pain and just the chaos in our home because of that. Um, and I'm very grateful for um, Vision. You know, you guys have helped me um, along. I'm very, very grateful for my sponsor grateful for everyone who's on here and I'm very grateful for my other 12-step program too because I know how bad off I would be um, because of the damage that's been caused to me because of somebody else's addiction that it talks about in the reading today. Um, so with that, I pass. Thank you, Heather S. Patty K, followed by Lauren H. And I don't know if that's Patty or Katie. Hi, this is Patty Kay in Florida, grateful recovering food addict, compulsive overeater, very grateful for to be here. Um, you know, I was trying to explain someone to someone last night my disease of food addiction, and it just went right over their head. It was like, well, when can you stop going to meetings? When can you stop going to this? And it's like, you know, I've learned to keep my mouth shut. And I also found that I was, um, I'd live with an active food addict. She's a roommate, and we're having issues, and I'm trying to, I found myself trying to fix her. And I have to remember I can't fix her any more than if, if she had cancer and I could fix her. Um, even to myself, it's like, oh, yeah, but cancer, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, I had the disease of food addiction. I have the actual gene. It's been studied. Um, I would not want this disease. I used to say I would rather have blah, blah, blah but I really don't. Um, today I'm glad there's a solution, that I have a place to go when when the crazy, um, when the squirrels in my head get crazy and stall and all that stuff. Um, you know, um, I have, <clears throat> one of the things I had to do was accept that I'm a, that I have a, the disease of food addiction and that nothing I can do by myself is gonna fix it. I need to go to meetings, I need to listen, I need to believe that there is a, not a cure, but a way out. You know, like, again, I was trying to explain to someone about um, when I pick up the alcoholic substances, I don't stop. It's not a matter of, oh, I can have one or two and stop, use my willpower, and I could just see that, you know, that blank look come across their face or that look of, well, I can, you know. And I used to argue like hell about it. He's like, well, think of it this way and think of it that way, you know. Now it's like, okay, they don't get it. They don't have to. I do, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm so grateful that I have a room full of people to get this, you know, because I don't get it anywhere else. You know, I love my church family, but they don't always get it. Oh, you're so skinny, you should eat. You know, oh, it's the holidays, you should eat. And it's like my disease doesn't take um, a vacation, you know, no more than cancer or diabetes or any of those other diseases. It says, oh, today's Christmas Day. You can do anything you want. So I'm going to keep coming back because um, um, people get my disease and they help me to 
get through it. You know, I don't have to pick up my alcoholic substances in order to feel like I belong, which is what I used to do. And, you know, so I'm going to keep coming back. Thank you all for being there. I love you. I pass. Thank you, Patty Kay. Lauren H., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Laura H. out of Chicago, grateful recovering compulsive overeater one day at a time. So grateful to be on the lines this morning. And in the solution, um, the answers come. And they're not always going to come easily, and they're certainly not going to come all at once. But in the paragraph, we read that an illness, and we have come to believe it is an illness. I work with a lot of people, I think very blessed to be on the road of recovery with so many people who are willing to do the steps that you have to do. But one thing I notice is that if we don't do a thorough first step and they don't really believe they have this illness or that it's socially acceptable or, or, well, this food is okay, you know, that it's, that it, that in itself, you know, that will, that will come out later down the road um, if they didn't completely take that first step and believe it is an illness and that nothing Nothing we do. It's not our fault. In other words, we have the two-fold problem. And um, I love that it goes on to say it engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers because it reminds me, you know, I raised a family while I was in the food. Sometimes I can't remember certain memories. Sometimes I can't remember when did that happen. Um, I have friends that tell me, oh, remember when we did this? And I, I would say, no, it wasn't me. And they would have pictures of me there. But there I was in a food coma. Um, I was a zombie and I couldn't, I, I didn't recollect that memory. Um, and, and sometimes that makes me sad. But in the solution, once we identify and say, okay, this is an illness, no matter what I do, it's not my fault. And I start working the steps, this practical program of action every single day, then the promises will come. But it is a process. And the one thing I do want to share, whether you're on the lines and you're currently in full recovery or you're in some sort of fog or you're in somewhat of a relapse or you think you might have slipped that just right now you're here on the lines and you're here and you're here to listen and to work your program and to to identify in and roll up your sleeves and do some hard work because it's not always easy um, and I just want to thank everyone for being on the lines and thank our moderator and with that I pass Thank you, Laura H. And uh, who else would like to share this morning? Fresh start one. And give me your Mindy name, R. Time, please. Can Mindy, I, I heard a Julie. Harlan Mindy. G. Jarian K. I heard a Mimi. Can I Mimi. Mimi. Harlan G. Jarian K. All right, guys, Nicole I'm not hearing e. anybody. I'm not hearing anybody, so hang on a second. I got a Julie first, and I didn't catch your last initial. Then um, I thought I heard Julie M. Thank you. And then I thought I heard a Mimi. Mindy R. Mindy R. Yeah, thank I, you. Hang Harlan G. Tim. I did hear Harlan. And who was the other person? Anita J. Ruth H. Ruth Lisa H. B. Lisa B. And I'll stop there. Woo, doggies. Woo. Okay, who do I have? Julie M, Mindy R, Harlan G, Anita J, Ruth H, and Lisa B. Julie M, would you please get us started? 
Hi, good morning. This is Julie M. Recovered in Netherlands, Colorado. And I'd like to comment on the part where it talks about how, you know, there goes annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. Um, I'm reminded of a moment with my children before recovery and a moment with my children after I had gone through the steps. And the moment I remember before is, you know, I blamed everybody else for my misery. And I remember yelling at my kids, and they were probably, I don't know, 12 and 14 or something. And in the midst of my yelling at them, which I felt very, very justified in doing, and I don't even remember what it was about, they looked at each other and started laughing. And they pointed at me and said, look, she's hulking out. They used to refer to me as the Hulk, and I had no idea. And it was a moment of absolute humiliation, and I was blown away. And they, I had zero power over these children. I mean, they were laughing at me. They were mocking me. And my job as mother was apparently absolutely failing. Then I remember after, you know, being in recovery and after um, going through the steps and working on myself and, you know, ripping out all these things and the solution of God coming in and restoring me to sanity. Um, I remember them being on the phone with their father who had moved away and they were, um, they were not very happy. And they, they made a comment and they said, you know, mom, we used to have to deal with you the way that you were and dad the way that he still is. Now we deal with you changed, like you're so different. Dad's constantly blaming and you're not. And I just had this moment of thank God for Overeaters Anonymous because working the steps saved my life and it absolutely changed my my role in this world in every way, but, you know, especially as a mother and that my children can see the change in me and they have respect for me now in a different way and um, our relationships are much stronger than they ever were. So I am so grateful to this program and that I'll pass. Thank you, Julie M. And I have, thanks to some Bionic Ear fellows helping me out, I have a couple names to add to the end of the list, so I'm just going to read the list again. We're having, we will have Mindy R. next, followed by Harlan G., Anita J, Ruth H, Lisa B, Darian K, and Nicole P. And I hope we get to everybody. Mindy R, it's your turn, please. Hi, good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Good morning. Okay, thank you. Good morning. Um, I appreciate um, your service and for announcing for people that haven't been hurt, you know, spoke up. Um, it's really hard to get in, obviously. So it's like a war. Um, I wanted to share today, specifically today, because I'm a recovering food addict and uh, I, uh, or compulsive reader, excuse me, and I um, come back from the depths of hell. Today is um, the paragraph that was read. I could also, I was going to speak on with the last share, just the line about, um, you know, just sharing about our children. And that's really on my heart today. Um, Four years ago today, my daughter um, died from cancer. She was um, 
16 when she was diagnosed. So I was a food addict then, and I was in recovery then, and I was abstinent then. And um, long and behold, one fine day, um, during her treatment, she said to me, when she was diagnosed, she said to me, Mom, please don't eat over me. You're not going to eat over me. You promise. And then one day she said, you're not going to become an alcoholic, are you? Because that was their fear because they were they didn't know any any other. Uh, I have 30 years in the program, and they don't know me as not being an abstinent mother. So here my children are. My daughter got a death sentence and is dying from cancer, going through what she went through as a heroic surviving survivor, relapse, whatever, in her disease, and I'm watching this. And as a mother... I I lost it. I lost my abstinence, obviously. So I came back um, a few months ago. I now have, actually yesterday was five months back. And um, all I wanted to say was that when I used to talk and share about how this disease is definitely, a, this compulsive eating is a disease. I have the gene as well. I've always been, I was born this way. I believe it wholeheartedly. But my disease, I can put it down. I can work the steps. I can live a happy, joyous, and free life of this disease, one day at a time, contingent on the spiritual of my spiritual condition and all your help and everybody's help in the rooms. Although cancer, what she got, she couldn't. And I could not put it together. I was struggling so bad for years, the four years, the three years that she passed. How did this happen? How could this happen? you know, all the whys and everything. But through the program, I have come back from this. And there is a, um, I don't know if there's, I don't know if I believe in God anymore, but I believe in a power greater than myself or universal something because you know what? This pain is so, this is the worst pain that, I, I don't know. I don't even know how I got up today. But I promised her that I would live on. Fine. I would get up every day. I will finish. I would get up every day, dress up, show up, and I'm going to go to work today. And everyone's like, "Why are you going to work today?" And I said, "I'm going to be. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to be abstinent before my daughter for her." So, thank you everybody for always being there. I love, I love a vision for you. You're saving my life. Thank you. Thank you, Mindy R. <clears throat> Harling G, it is your turn, followed by Anita J. Thank you very much. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. This paragraph sets me free. This paragraph tells me that I have an illness. It's not the only paragraph that tells me I have an illness. The doctor's opinion tells me I have an illness. Bill's story tells me I have an illness. But when the big book wants to tell me something, it tells it to me several times. It spirals the information keeps repeating it. When I was three and four years old, I was deeply embarrassed because people would scream and yell at my parents about how fat I was getting and how much food I was eating. And then when I got to be five and six and seven years old, they started screaming directly at me. And adults and children were vicious toward me. And what was my crime? My crime was I ate too many chocolate chip cookies. I didn't want to eat the chocolate chip cookies. I didn't want to be fat. I wanted to acquiesce to their demands. I didn't know how. 
You see, everybody told me that I was unacceptable as a human being, that existentially I was wrong and evil and fat. And if you're fat, you're wrong and you're unacceptable. So I grew up thinking I wanted to die. I missed out on a lot. I missed out on a lot. I could have had a much better career. I could have done something with my life. Maybe I could have gone to homecoming. Maybe I could have gone to the prom. Maybe I could have been something with my life other than what I was. But I had an illness, and nobody until I got here told me I had one. And nobody until I got here told me what to do about it. I was going to stay off from sharing today, but this paragraph is just too important to me. And I also want to point out something else, too. That Overeaters Anonymous started on January the Tuesday, January the 19th, 1960. Today is our 58th birthday. You can't listen on the line and hear person after person after person say, I'm grateful to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous without thinking that today is a special day. It's also a special day for a very special person who made the vision for you renaissance possible she's experiencing an abstinence birthday today as well want to shout out to her but our way of life started on january the 19th 1960 and i think we should if my opinion i'm going to do it take a minute to thank roseanne in heaven a lot of people get critical of roseanne and they say well if she wouldn't have started it somebody else would yeah but she did they didn't thank you roseanne up in heaven thank you leah and thank you to everybody on this line, and thank you to everybody in OA, because if it wasn't for this program, I would still be suffering from the annihilation of all things human. And the truth of the matter is, no, I wouldn't. I'd be dead, never having lived. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Anita G, it is your turn, followed by Ruth H. Hi, Maura. Thank you very much. You can hear me, correct? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Okay, okay. You know <laughs> what? It's been exactly one week since I last shared. And I didn't do it out of instruction. I did it out of ego. Because that used to be my verbal ability in front of people was how I got all strokes. That was it. And um, I can't afford to live like that anymore either. Uh, this annihilation of all things worthwhile. Until I took the focus off this book, uh, and the focus was, this was my mother's book. Why the heck didn't she read it? It was out back then. Why didn't, you know, it did me no good, no good, until I saw, I saw the harm I did in my family. Yes. Instead of focusing on, okay, you gained 60 pounds or 80 pounds, that, that, they might have been embarrassed. But this is the harm I did. That the mouth, that verbal mouth that in front of people was so hilarious and so this, was vicious with my own children. My little boy, you know, it took, I took it all out on him. 
just this constant, I forgot to press the start button on my timer, oh, brother. And, uh, but, but the point is, I did terrible harm, terrible harm to that kid. And, you know, I began to see it. But I had no understanding of exactly why I had this need to hurt, to lash out. No correlation between, you know, Baskin Robbins, that was my, you know, temple. And I had a church and I had a temple, and the temple was uh, Baskin Robbins. And um, anything else, though, it doesn't matter. But the point is, until I found the solution was for Anita, not for Mama, this is for Anita. It's your chance, kid. You can read it anew. And, you know, I've read it since 1978. But it wasn't until vision. What is it? I don't know. But if you've just dialed in today by mistake, it was no mistake then. It was that loving hand of God, fellas, brought you here. Just to hear these testimonies, if we could just give it away. I know there were people who cared about me, but I didn't listen. I was too invested in trying to act nice. And, you know, I'm so blessed that that son is still in my life. His grand, his boys love me. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. But I had to humbly ask God to show me the right way. And he said, I can show you, but you Time. better take the steps, which I have done and continue to do. And thank you so much, Pat. Thank you, Anita J. Ruth H., it is your turn, followed by Lisa B., Thank you so much, Team Friday. This is Ruth H., so gratefully recovered um, in Connecticut. Um, I, too, wanted to share on the line the, anna- the annihilation, if I can say it, the annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. Um, I had tried to get on to share yesterday, and because I know my higher power, who I choose to call God's timing, is the perfect timing, I wasn't able to. And, uh, and then he gave me an example that I really wanted to share today, and so gratefully I was, I was able to get in. Um, my mother passed away about three years ago, and um, even though my friend had been asking me over and over to come to her Bible study, I wasn't really ready, nor was I really ready then, but I had much more free time because I had spent so much in her care. And um, I realized yesterday when I was there, when I started, because I was still so into the food, I got so little out of it. Um, it's a it's a two-hour session ending at 1130. And now my favorite part is when the leader shares at the end. And, um, and I grow so much spiritually each time. But all of a sudden, it hit me how two years ago, at that time, all I'd be thinking about was how could I get out of there quickly so I could get to lunch? Or I'd be in the food dozing off and irritable and discontent and um, just in those short two years what this program has done for for my life and for my spiritual connection and I'm just so grateful for that Um, you know I'm married and I have two grown sons um, and it breaks my heart to think about what my life what I was like raising them um, uh, my blameless children but I look at them now and because of the amends that I've was able to make with them and the conversations, you know, the recovered 
conversations. I can hear from them. Their lives are no longer warped. And as much as I try to screw them up, and boy, was I doing my best at that, they've turned out to be productive, um, happy young men. And, um, and, and, and no longer is my husband sad, nor my parents in heaven. I know that um, because I continue to work this program every day, it makes me happy, joyous, and free. And it makes those all my relationships so much happier, joyous, and free. And um, on that note, I'll pass. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Ruth H. Lisa B, it is your turn, followed by Darian K. Good morning. This is Lisa B. Thank you for your service. My name is uh, Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. The line that I wanted to address was, we hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or who may be affected. There are many. I love that they say this volume. This is um, our solution. This is our basic text. Everything I need to know to get recovered is in this book. This is my sponsor. This is my answer. I did have a recovered sponsor take me through this book, which I'm grateful for, but everything I need is right here in this volume. And that word comfort, I was starving and and malnourished, even though I was a compulsive overeater. I tried to get comfort and take comfort and release in food. I was seeking that always, always comfort, 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 relief, relief, relief. And I was still starving and and malnourished. I was blocked off from what this book terms the sunlight of the spirit. And um, I had to come to find that I can't fix this inside job with outside stuff. It's not about the perfect food plan and the perfect sponsor. It's about really having a step one experience and seeing that I am truly desperate and dying and then grabbing onto that step two that there is a solution and it's a spiritual based solution and I didn't want to hear that and in we agnostics it said but after a while we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else this volume tells me that there's only two solutions you know um, go on to the bitter end and die or pick up the tools laid out to me. And I, I kept trying to think, no, there's got to be another way, you know. But I came in here and I heard the voices of recovery. And I'm so grateful for all the people clamoring to share. It's a wonderful problem to have. And I love hearing all of the regulars and I love hearing all the new people. And God's in charge, you know, the authority over this meeting. And I'm grateful that I heard the solution, but I needed to see that there's just two options and it's a spiritual remedy and it's through the 12 steps and it's first in getting entirely abstinent. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Darian K., it is your turn, followed by Nicole P. Hi, I'm Darian Kay. I hope, hope, can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Oh, good. thank you so much. Um, yes, I'm Darian, and I'm calling from the beautiful Berkshires of Massachusetts and driving into this pink and orange sunset, um, as a sunrise, I should say, <laughs> um, as I go to work and um, just feeling very grateful. And I know that if I was in the food, I would be um, fogged over from probably eating too much last night and feeling tired and grumpy this morning. And um, I don't have those feelings 
I, I feel very grateful and so grateful to this meeting. I, um, I've been calling in probably maybe a month now, and, um, but I've been in programs since 1986 and super grateful that um, you know, I've been abstinent and working on program of recovery with meetings and sponsors and sponsees and, and even the 12 steps in various ways. Um, but this is, um, this is such a pleasure to be able to um, leave my house at 7 and get to work at 8 and have this meeting in my heart to start my day. Um, it's, it's just lovely. And I, um, you know, I, I've been in program, my daughter's 26, she'll be 27 in May, so I've been in program all of her life. And, you know, I feel like, um, I don't know, I'm just super grateful that I found this program uh, before she was even born. Because um, I know that it just robbed me of so much. And, um, you know, I could definitely be a better, better mother for her. Um, the abstinence was wonderful when I was pregnant with her. I f really felt like I um, really ate the right foods and did the right thing, um, you know, before she was even born. And, um, and, you know, and then just going through so many different things in my life. And um, someone had shared about losing their mom. I, my mom will be gone three years tomorrow. And um, I thought that would be something that would crush me for the rest of my life. And you know what, the pain is still there, but it does soften with time. And, and I have this wonderful fellowship to um, walk me through. Um, and so many of them showed up for me um, in my times of need um, in many different forms. And so today, I just feel very grateful that I have this program in my life, that I have, um, again, this meeting is just, I, I think, really a gift from God. Um, you know, having moved out here to this area just recently in September, I, I did leave some of my home meetings uh, back in a different part of Massachusetts. And so I didn't know where I would get the recovery. I, I had gone to a few meetings. Time. Yep, thank you. And um, didn't really get um, the strength and hope that I, I you know, was used to. Um, but then I started calling in here and boy, I am just filled with the love and joy and peace of this program every single morning. It's just so wonderful. I can't say it enough. So everyone enjoy the day, enjoy the weekend, and thank you again for letting me share. Bye-bye. Thank you, Darian Kay. Nicole P., it is your turn. Nicole P., star one. Hello, everyone. Good morning. This is Nicole P. from Georgia. Um, an illness of this sort, and we have come to believe it is an illness. When I read that part, it reminded me so much of when I came to the program young, and I thought, oh, please, I don't, need, I don't need to read this. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm fine. And then down the line, as I had a spiritual awakening in a, in a meeting, I had a problem admitting my powerlessness because I thought, oh, I'm, you're saying I'm weak. You're saying I can't control this. And then someone in the program actually said, who is they? <laughs> and I had to ask myself, is it really 
others that are saying this, or is it me telling myself this? Am I in this moment choosing death over life? The one thing that I've been begging for, that I've been searching for since I was eight years old, and it's being handed to me. God is handing me what I've been begging him for, and I refused it. And having that courage to admit, God, I need help. Like, I really need help. It it helped me to understand later on when I had so many questions. There is no graduation ceremony. I was like, well, when I get to the 12 steps, it's over. And that that's not what it is. It's an everyday thing. Because of this program, because of this book, because of vision, I have a life. I never thought I could have a life. I'm happy, and I didn't know what that meant before program. Um, when it says annihilation of all things worthwhile in life, I realized as I went through the process, I affected a lot of people. And I couldn't sit back and selfishly think that everything was fine and that, well, because it happened in the past, it didn't affect them. No, my actions affected other people. And surprise, surprise, it wasn't just them. I had to own my part. And in owning my part, it helped me get a close relationship with my higher power. Today, he is showing me, and he gives me the strength. And in this moment, I cry tears of joy because I can say, God, you've taught me how to love myself, to understand what it means to be a compulsive reader, and know that just because I'm a compulsive reader doesn't mean that I'm damaged. If anything, it's a gift because the gift that he gives me is life and happiness. And as I work these steps and as I basically accept that I have this illness, I then can pass that torch on to someone else. And it's a beautiful sight to see someone else go through their own journey and learn what it's like to live and to love themselves. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Nicole P. We have about five minutes left, so we've got time for two more shares. Vasa O. Linda D. Vasa O and somebody G. Linda D. Amy G. Oh, sorry. I heard Amy first. Vasa O and Amy G. You both have about two and a half minutes, please. Vasa O, go ahead. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, everyone, good morning. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater calling from Florida. This is a beautiful reading. It reminds me from where I can to where I am today. I've been on the vision for you for four years, and it's such a blessing. It's a gift from God. I've been in the program for many, many, many years, and I did come to the big book, big book and uh, I was introduced uh, to this book years ago. We didn't have as much literature in those days, when I, 1986. And uh, my sponsor was uh, AA and OA. And uh, I had no clue, I had no understanding that this was an illness. I didn't understand about the allergy. I didn't understand about the mental obsession. And I had it all in those years. But once I learned there was a solution to our problems, I mean, I was so relieved. I, was, I said, 
oh, okay, what I've been trying to do for 25 years of my life, I couldn't accomplish, I couldn't do it because I didn't know what's wrong with me. So here I come to the program, I'm learning, I have an illness, it's not my fault, I was born with it, you know, or maybe just developed, I don't know what happened, but I had it. And now if I do what these people are doing, one day at a time, I'm, I, can, I, I can arrest my disease. And it's by the grace of God, you know, again, it is a physical, spiritual, emotional, you know, disease. I did not know any of that stuff. And I was ready, and I was so, so ready, and I was so willing to surrender because I will surrender to anything. God, the program, 12 Steps, anybody that could help me, because whatever I was doing, it was not working. It was going to kill me. And, you know, and I, I gave in into the food addiction. I gave in to the food because whatever I tried in my lifetime, it just not so, it was not working. And I thank God I was led into Overeaters Anonymous, and that was the beginning of my new life, you know, with me, a higher power, program, relationship with other people, my relationship with my family. And, yes, I did some harm, you know, what I did, but I work in the steps. I've been able to forgive myself, you know, for the harm I had done and people, the harm that had done to me. And I could go on gradually, let go of my resentments and loving myself and taking care of myself, not the way I was eating and killing myself with the food. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Oh, Amy G., you've got two minutes. Okay, great. Thank you. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you, everyone, for such an awesome meeting. I, too, am going to piggyback on what's been said about the illness. For me, it took years to actually keep coming back to OA meetings and trying to understand what is this disease, this twofold nature of this disease, the physical allergy, the mental obsession, and to finally accept what it is that I had, which was an illness. But that knowledge was worthless unless I did something with it. And what talks about it in the chapter, how it works, you know, we stood at the turning point. And to paraphrase, you know, we took these steps with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took with complete abandon. And for me, I had to make a choice. In essence, accepting what I, what I was, a compulsive reader, accepting that I had an illness meant that I had to make a decision. I admitted powerlessness, and I had to choose to surrender and then do the work that was necessary in order to become recovered, which was the 12 steps. You know, someone else said earlier, I had but two choices. If I admitted that I was a compulsive overeater, which I did, then what was I going to do? Was I going to continue to eat into oblivion and kill myself, or was I going to pick up the spiritual kit of tools laid at my feet with complete abandon, which are these 12 steps? Was I going to be willing to take direction? Was I going to be willing to have my ego reduced, put my pride aside, and be humble and willing to act as if I knew nothing and follow the instructions that are in this book and with the sponsor in whom the problem had been solved? Was I going to be willing to go to any length to recover, just like I was willing to go to any length to get my binge food? If I was truly an had this illness, was I willing to do what was necessary next to recover? And that's the choice that only me, myself, and I can make. I admit my powerlessness, but then I have a choice to make. What is it that I'm going to do? And am I going to do these steps with complete abandon? 
and to surrender to the program because to me there was Fine. no other solution. Thank you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. And thank you to everyone who shared today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And um, so we will now have the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Katie G, would you please read page 164? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure, Mara, one moment. Sorry, I apologize. I lost my place. Sorry, guys, I have it. <clears throat> Practicing. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.